That was one of the hardest things in our planning and our consideration of whether we're going to continue the conference was how do we meet that level of energy or depth of experience in a virtual format. I think we forget that teachers have like full-time jobs, right? Marking, planning, managing kids, sending emails to parents, uh, getting everything prepped. Uh, they're busy. So we're going to try to see how we can do that. We do have a networking room set up so people can jump out of a session and go think and talk to other people. So there's just, we're trying to create space for that. Um, but a virtual space is not the same as physical space. Doubled attendance. We have 45 countries represented from Japan all the way in Asia, India, uh, Europe, you know, Canton, North America, Latin America. Um, so, I mean, that's going to be a trade off, right? The online environment is no cost and people can attend from everywhere. We have public school educators, private school educators, international educators. Jose Alvarez and I'm Corey Austin. Welcome to Beyond Our Bell. Today we are recording our second episode and we have a very interesting guest today. Well, I guess let's let's let Sasha introduce himself. Go ahead, Sasha. Just inter introduce uh, where you're at, what you do, where you're from. Just tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, hi, I'm Sasha Heckman. I'm the Assistant Superintendent for Innovation and Learning at the American School Foundation in Monterey. Um, prior to working here, I've um, worked as a head of school in Africa, Mozambique, Africa, as a high school principal in Shanghai, China, and I get my roots in U.S. public schools in California. And so that's a bit of my background. I have a, a consulting practice in, around personalized learning and uh, do a bit of work with adults and helping them personalize their classrooms, and I'm honored to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you for taking the time to be here. There's uh, so many different things that regarding what we like to record and talked about here, you fit the profile excellently. But um, today in particular, we want to talk about the Live Curious Go Beyond event, which I think is very interesting because I know that I had the chance to work on it every year, like be part, not just as an attendee, but like part of the team that helps it put it all together and Corey has been a or was a driving force between the entire approach of the conference and now like I realized this school year I was approached by a couple of my peers saying like hey Sasha is keeping Live Curious going beyond he's uh, it's gonna keep happening so I'm really happy that we can have this conversation with a lot of different angles on the subject yeah I, I'm gonna, I'll jump in there too just um I don't know. I, I know this time of year for the last five years have been a very, for me, when I was working in that position, I'd be, it was kind of a, one of those things where it was very stressful, high stress. It was like waiting for your wedding day, kind of. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm so happy to see when I started to see some of the, the marketing and advertisements going out to seeing that it was, it was coming back, uh, looking a little different virtually, but um very grateful that it's being uh, carried on in, in 2021. So, um, I don't know, Jose, do you want to start off with some questions around that? 
Well, we have Sasha here. I just want to, I'm, I'm very curious, Sasha, how did you end it up? Like, when did the decision uh, popped up of like, okay, we're keeping Live Curious and, uh, and how are you keeping Live Curious alive in a, COVID, in a new COVID year? Well, obviously, you know, the old saying is you live on the shoulders of giants. And so coming here as a new person, the, the conference um, has a tremendous reputation in the region, at the school, about promoting innovative practice. And, um, you know, coming into a new school, you orient yourself. And the, the event kept being referenced by different people. We have this great event. It's really helped me with my teaching practice. Um, it helped us be ready for distance learning because we've learned so many strategies. And the more I learned about Live Curious Go Beyond, the more of, of an identity shaping uh, conference it is for the school community and, and really for larger Mexico, although now we, we have attendees from Central America and South America as well. Um, but it was just a big part of the school identity. The challenge was with uh, us being fully distance learning. Um, was how do we have the bandwidth um, to both support our students and our teachers who are working in this new environment and host a conference. And I think the spirit of Live Curious is what gave us the courage to do it because Live Curious is about exploring the unknown, about trying new practices. And that identity allowed us to say, okay, we're not, we might not be experts at distance learning or hybrid, but we sure can create a venue where people can share their expertise and, and allow teachers to learn from teachers in a really applied way. And so come September, um, you know, there was a lot of momentum to not have the conference, but the more I spoke with the organizing committee, the more they were highly committed to making sure the conference uh, continued to live. And so uh, we put together a proposal um, and got the support from the school administration to move forward with it. Um, and from there, it's been incredible as far as how well it's been received and the journey. But I think it was the right decision. I think people are looking for a venue uh, to share practice. And that's what Live Curious is, and it will continue to be. And um, although it's difficult to replicate the prior environment of, you know, tinkering, makering, touching, and interacting, collaborating in a virtual environment, we're trying to keep the, the practitioner focus and, and letting people walk away with real strategies as being a core identity of this online uh, conference. Wow, I think that um, you touch over there in a lot of different things. Uh, I, I remember when, again, it's a shame that we couldn't include Brian Ham, but a big shout out for him as well, because I remember that somehow it all shifted from technology in the classroom or the use of technology and pedagogy to better ourselves as teachers and to be more, more learners. Um, and suddenly, yeah, it definitely felt that Live Curious was more about the right mind approach than as to just learn new tech tricks or be exposed to new technology. And I, I, I think that you touch a little bit on that, Sasha, on the, the whole idea of that now more than ever, we need to adapt, we need to like share um, or, or desire outcomes or, or frustrations or goals and just kind of be more in connection with the different perspectives that other educators can, uh, can bring to the table. And I think that now more than ever is one of those things that there's a million reasons why it's hard to keep um, on, on doing a, a massive event like this. But at the same time, uh, it's, it's the spirit of the time to keep on sailing, right? Like just to, just to see what we learn from this experience. 
Yeah, I would. I mean, and I would echo that shout out to Brian Ham. I think him, uh, he was the visionary of the conference and supported by people like Corey and Deanna and Doug, uh, people like yourselves uh, to actually do the work and get, get it off the ground. Um, and I think Brian would be very proud to see that it has emerged from a tech conference to how do you use a tech to improve learning conference. And I think that's something we've tried to really keep at the forefront. Um, I think that's something we saw as I've learned more about Corey's work here at the school prior to his departure is really about shifting it from being, you know, learning tech to um, tech supporting learning. And I think that pivot that the team took a couple of years ago allowed us to pivot again into distance learning because how do you train someone in a tech tool in a virtual format? It's quite challenging. How do you use technology and model good technology use in a conference? Well, that's our challenge. How do we do that ourselves uh, to make the event meaningful um, for people? And so um, that was a huge uh, part of the conversation. Another part of it was just, you know, do we have the resources? Again, with Corey and Brian leaving the school this year um, and, and repatriating, it was a big part of our conversation. We've lost a lot of our organizing kind of vision. But I think a testament, again, to the folks that were here before is that they instilled that pride and that identity into others who were able to take the mantle for it. So the testament of something standing the test of time is when the vision has been internalized by others. And so when the people who started it leave, the event continues. And so Brian, Corey, and others should be very proud of their legacy as they see Live Curious move forward. Well, I, I'm grateful, though, that, that it's, it is moving forward because I think the easy, like when you guys met, I don't know what that kind of conversation sounded like back in September, but, you know, the easy thing to do would be like say, no, you know, it's it's COVID, we're doing online learning, so let's just take a break for a year. But I feel like you guys did the opposite and you said, you know what, let's model uh, what we can do. I mean, if we're doing at-home learning, let's do an at-home professional development conference. And I looked, uh, I was very excited looking through the strands and seeing a lot of familiar faces um, offering um, workshops. And and I have to ask too, like, I think it's amazing too that, that you're sticking to the keynote speakers. I'd, I'd like to just know a little bit more how and and why you, uh, how you approach and why you approach the, the, the keynote speakers that you do have coming this year? Well, I think, yeah, for us, a, a big part of, of our decision to hold the conference is figuring out what was that theme and how do we uh, support teachers. And so, um, you know, different regions in the world um, have different you know, are, are different places. Some people are going to school full-time right now. Um, some people are doing hybrid learning. Others are doing distance learning like we are. And all of us are going to go through some level of that transition, right? We're going to go from distance learning to hybrid to then face-to-face. -face. And so the question came if one of the conversations we had in the organizing committee was this experience, you know, here in Monterey, we're 10 months on distance learning. This experience has changed our learners. They are more independent than they've ever been. They are more responsible and required to be more responsible than they've ever been for their own learning. Teachers have had to adapt their pedagogy from they're in my classroom and I have them captive to what can I do to get the kids to engage when they're online. Um, fundamentally, um, power paradigms have shifted. 
And so as we were dealing with that, and there's been some grieving and emotional loss of educa as educators have had to work their, their new reality of, I need to inspire the kids to learn as, as opposed to demand that they learn. Um, what became to the forefront in a conversation with teachers is the kids are different. Uh, the kids are asking questions. The kids are more engaged. The kids are taking ownership. And then weirdly, some of them are not. And we couldn't really predict which ones were taking ownership and which ones weren't. Some of the kids that were less engaged previously are more engaged now. And so the question arose of how are we going to be different post-pandemic? And so as we started kind of working through that, what is the pedagogy that's going to transfer from distance learning to hybrid that we're going to have when we get back in the building? People like Will Richardson and Ewan McIntosh, some of the bigger minds that are good at questioning and, and guiding questioning discussions, uh, kind of came to the forefront. And so uh, Will just recently published an ebook, which is the nine questions to consider for post-pandemic education, or what he refers to as a new normal. If you've done any work with Ewan, Ewan is a brilliant mind when it comes to thinking about education, thinking about the future and facilitating processes. And so you know, Will is going to provoke us to think differently. Um, and it's going to be a provocation kind of keynote uh, focused on those nine questions. Um, and then what Ewan's going to do is very unique. He's actually going to facilitate a design with 50 of our participants to answer some of the questions that teachers have struggled to answer. And then post-conference, um, a month later, we're going to publish a white paper. So it's kind of active uh, design thinking research uh, to kind of address some of the meatier and more difficult questions of on online and, and hybrid learning. So I'm excited to see what comes from that because it is 50 educators in a room with an amazing facilitator that are designing solutions to our questions as opposed to coming with an answer. And I think that's that's very much in the spirit of Live Curious. Let's explore some rich questions and be curious ourselves um, and then produce something that's usable for others. So uh, Ewan was a perfect fit as well. Wow, it does sound like something really interesting to just watch and be part of it, that process. Because I think, again, one of the things that I love about a conference is when, yes, you want numbers, but when you can have the intimacy where people are actually working together, either in person or digitally or in a project or remote, uh, I love that you get to experience the validity of the source because nowadays anybody can just try to find something from their own house without needing to have contact. And then how do you know who is the best person or to answer your question? The validity of the sources, uh, you know, fake information, all of it going together. And I love to explore a place where it's safe, where you know that you're surrounded by people who are all fighting the same fight that you are, who all have the same questions you do, but they probably have different approaches and want to share different perspectives as well. And again, to be in that place where there's not about competition, but it's about, about learning from each other is something that is really, to me, very important to the process of education. Just like knowing that you're in the right, safe place to explore your questions, uh, your points of view, and everything that is going on through your head. Well, yeah, I'd lean into Corey on that as well, because I believe that's the culture that the original organizing team 
wanted to create with Live Curious, right? I mean, I think the intention is so many conferences you go listen to the expert and it's very much still a knowledge transfer kind of exercise. And I think the identity of Live Curious is let's explore interesting questions that are beyond our current practice and live in that space together and learn from each other where maybe we have a facilitator who knows a little bit more, but really it's about tinkering, getting your hands dirty, wrestling with, with rich ideas and coming away with a better understanding of yourself, your practice, and that particular thing you might be exploring. So, I mean, Corey, I think, you know, as I've learned about Live Curious, I think that was the goal when the conference was created is to create that kind of venue, that tinkering kind of design, open-minded venue. Um, so we're trying to keep that going um, in this environment, but I'd love to hear a little bit more from you just about, you know, what that intentionality was at the original kind of Live Curious Conversations. No, I do appreciate Sasha's comments on kind of the the culture of, of Live Curious and, and going back, I guess, five years or six years now um, when it was kind of born. But uh, we, we did want to kind of create a, a conference that did have a different feel to it. So uh, and, and something that was that was an actual experience. And that was right from, you know, the the conferences or the workshops that were being offered to the keynote speakers and right to the food. Um, you know, we even thought a little bit differently about food. So um, an example, you know, we, we've had food trucks come in every year rather than just serve your regular food. So we wanted to be a different experience. We wanted it to be, um, you know, kind of on the cutting edge, what we like to think cutting edge of kind of uh, technology and education, but not just technology. It was about kind of exploratory hands-on learning um, we all always offered, you know, maker workshops. I know I offered workshops on building a, a one board birdhouse or building cardboard castles out of, uh, you know, little make do kind of uh, screws and things. So it, it was really we always wanted the people to come and feel like they were kind of at a different conference and that it was an experience. It was not something they like kind of had to go. And like, like you said, Sasha, like sit and receive, um, you know, receive the knowledge or receive something from someone speaking. And, and from the very beginning, it was always like, it started as a half day in-house PD at our school. And we had these, what we called digital teachers at the time, but it was a, a team of like, at that time, probably 20 digital teachers, they're called innovative teachers now, but we had them really build capacity within the building um, just, hey, like you guys all do great things. Let's share it. So it was kind of a, a teacher built teacher for teacher conference. And, you know, when you ask a teacher like, oh, you know, you have so many great things to share. Every teacher will say, I, I you know, I don't have I don't think I have anything to share. But this was about pushing teachers and giving them that uh, kind of opportunity to share something they're passionate about or share something that they're trying new or different or even if it was old, but working. So. Um, yeah, it was just about creating a, a kind of a, an experience-based conference, um, and that was kind of the, the backbone. And, and I did mention too, we we also did a, a goal was to create some some community around Monterey, but also around the the kind of Latin American region for a kind of tech and innovation conference because it uh, there it didn't exist. So um, yeah, so uh, we're really happy to see that it's being kind of continued, and the whole spirit is is being kind of passed on and i can't say enough about kind of yeah brian doug deanna i have to give them a shout out they're 
kind of our, my partners in crime and in, in, in developing this conference. And yeah, I couldn't be happier to see where it's going this year virtually. So. Well, I can say uh, it's you've set the bar high because that was one of the hardest things in our planning and our consideration of whether we're going to continue the conference was how do we meet that level of energy or depth of experience in a virtual format? And so we and that's going to be challenging. Uh, the videos I've seen of the conference with people engaging hands on and, and just tinkering and, and doing things they've never done before is difficult to replicate in an online uh, environment, just like we're learning with our kids, you know, getting them to do things at home. Uh, with with the materials they have is a little bit more challenging than putting them in the classroom where we can give them those re resources. So um, it's going to be an interesting, but we've definitely captured the spirit of, of teachers for teachers, sharing best practice, solving problems of practice. And then this year, we've kind of applied the pandemic context, right? So everybody's having to learn everything. So from Zoom tricks to how do you do robotics online to uh, leaders, how do you keep teachers moving through this pandemic and, and keeping them spirited and feeling positive? So there's all different kinds of set, uh, environments, but we hopefully we definitely won't have the food trucks, um, which is a loss for me being here in Monterey my first year. Uh, but we're excited about uh, trying to capture that ex experience. Yeah, that's going to be a tricky one. You're going to have to maybe work with Uber Eats or something, just have <laughs> home delivery for people tuning in around the world. But uh but yeah, I think it's interesting, though, that you are, you know, you're keeping up, you know, the, I guess, you know, it's a tech and innovation conference. So I think it's really cool that you guys are keeping up with what's what's with the times right now. Right. Like a, a lot of schools are online and and, you know, the conference is going to be online, but it's it's going to be, I would guess. I looked at the sessions and workshops. It's very much tailored to to what we're seeing happening in education in the world. So um, I think that's interesting. And, and again, it, it continues the spirit of the conference. So. I think that uh, something that I wanted to point out, in, and we were talking about this uh, ergonomically, but um, when I, or for the past years, for me, my experience as being part of the Live Curious conference has been as an attendee and a presenter, maybe kind of a foot sol uh, soldier in the media department for it. And it's been incredible because I get to just like kind of like go everywhere and record and have conversations and see the spirit of it and see it evolving and see it just like taking shape. But I find that you two are in a unique position to maybe discuss the unique challenges that setting a conference like this presents. I mean, um, obviously I think that we all want to touch on ownership in learning, but just like, Every year, like, okay, before COVID, there's still like, uh, you know, bumps in the road that need to be addressed, like the sponsors, the like getting the attendees, the logistics. So I would love, love if you both kind of kind of touch in your own experience on that. You go ahead, Sasha. Yeah, go ahead. No, I think, I mean, it's been a really different planning process. And I was just talking to the team. We had an organizing meeting yesterday. Um, it's been a very um, different um, experience because we're not coordinating food trucks or trying to get maintenance to set up tables or doing any of that kind of stuff. But this afternoon we're running, you know, for the keynote, we're doing simultaneous translation. So running a, a live stream webinar with simultaneous translation and making sure that works has been uh, a, a challenge. So there's different challenges for sure, but, uh, and it feels different. Um, I think what we're trying, you know, I've done a bit of research through my consulting company about how teachers learn best. And so here's an interesting piece of research I gathered from a survey I did um, that when you ask teachers, how much time a week do you have to learn new things? Um, they'll tell you it's about 30 minutes. 
a week. 30 minutes is not a lot of time. I think we forget that teachers have like full-time jobs, right? Marking, planning, managing kids, sending emails to parents, uh, getting everything prepped. Uh, they're busy, especially right now, right? I mean, in pandemic, we have teachers planning for kids that are at home asynchronously. We have teachers planning for hybrid. We have teachers planning for half their kids and tomorrow the other half. And, and so it's, it's crazy. And, and so when you talk to teachers, how do you maximize 30 minutes of learning? And what you'll find is most things aren't done in 30 minute chunks. And so one of the things we've tried to do with Live Curious this year is still keep the sessions short, 60 minutes, which ends up being 55 by the time we get everything set up. You know, we had 30 minute slots. Presenters had a really hard time coming up with something they could do in 30 minutes. So all of our presenters presented, uh, put in proposal for 60 minutes. But so that way someone can jump in, do 60 minutes, take their kid to wherever they need to go or do what they need to do, jump back in two hours later for another 60 minutes. But that's the way kind of we see adult learning moving, right? So you see people moving to more of a personal learning network with Twitter and webinars and live streams and Coursera courses. And so we're trying to replicate that experience and, and really meet teachers where their learning time is. Uh, historically, the conference here has been mandated for ASFM teachers because they had a PD day attached to it. This year, we didn't mandate it, but we still have amazing attendance. So we're trying to you know, shift that mindset a little bit. So how do we make that 30 minutes the best 30 minutes it can be? Because teachers don't have as much time as we think they do. So it's part of kind of what um, you know, we're thinking about as leaders of this conference and kind of leaders at ASFM is how do we meet teachers where they are um, and with what they need, as opposed to kind of a one-stop shop, you know, four-hour session kind of thing, because people don't have four hours to give and do their job full-time, you know? And so I think that's a, a big part of what we're thinking about as, as we plan this conference. I, I think that's a great point, Sash. I think you're, you, you know, being just being very intentional with, with the whole design aspect of the conference and, and how you're going to offer it and, and, I think that's and that goes back to the to something that when we I guess I'll I'll, I'll address the question Jose of kind of I guess planning for the conference and the logistics of it pre online, but we we did something similar you know you you have to you, it's uh, through design and through feedback you have to offer try to offer the best PD experience you can because you know it came up every year and I'm sure it comes up this year you know teachers. Time is valuable, especially if you're asking them to come in on a on a Saturday. And so, you know, we always got pushback um, uh, on that if we ask teachers to to come in on a Saturday, or you know, do we have to show up? And our our approach and and to that was just please just show up if you want. Like, hopefully, we're offering a um, you know a nice a, a good enough experience that if you come Friday, you definitely want to come. Um, Saturday. So that was always part of our, one of our biggest challenges is how do we make it interesting and, and good enough to people to want to show up? And if they didn't want to show up on, on Saturday, that was okay. Um, uh, so that was, but just going to the logistics. Yeah. Like <laughs> it really though, it came down to a, a team effort, like anything, organizing anything large. So we had, I think over, you know, sometimes would have up to, you know, 40 volunteers or more, and then the maintenance staff at our school does so much with with moving things around and getting rooms ready. And so really, it was just a matter of breaking up into teams and uh, assigning volunteers to to take on leadership roles within those teams and uh, getting things in place. But it was it was a lot of work. 
Um, and I just, uh, I think it's interesting shifting from the physical to the digital and how that must be, must be so much uh, more different in how you design for that. So uh, I think that's a great question. Uh, but I, I do think it's interesting, uh, Sasha, you're, you're commenting on um, how teachers learn best. I'd like to kind of explore a little more about that. I don't know if you, if you did you get any uh, good information from, from that survey or your explore? I'd like you to just kind of follow up on a, a little more on that. I know sometimes just through observation through the conference, like a lot of times when, um, you know, informally, I think we've asked that question, you, you know, you ask teachers, you know, um, try to recall your most, most profound learning experience as a learner when you were in high school and, or, or in your school experience. And, and I don't know, I feel like nine, 9.9 times out of 10, it was something uh, very like experiential based or hands-on kind of project that they did. Um, I don't remember anyone saying like, oh, that provincial or state exam I wrote or something like that. So um, I'd like to know, hear a little bit more about what, what you think about how teachers learn best or what you found out. Well, I think, I mean, what, what our research has been about is, is really learning in general. And then we try, we're working hard to, to move that into adult learning theory, uh, but then I then add the layer on about being online and remote. So I, I think some keys that have come out from either the reading and research we've done or um, kind of how we think about designing sessions is, is already embodied by Live Curious, right? So first thing is learning is social. So having people sit and listen and not interact is bad. Um, right. So getting people to interact, to build and construct understandings together, to be able to talk, discuss, share prior experiences um, is, is hugely valuable. And that's part of the spirit of Live Curious that we're trying to maintain in this online venue. Um, getting folks to connect where they are and choosing a learning experience connected to where they want to go. So having them be really reflective about what their needs are and having a really good understanding of their current practice uh, is another piece. Um, and finally, provocation. I think sometimes teachers, are, you know, the research shows that after seven years, teachers actually don't transform their practice that much. Um, once they have an established practice, they'll add small strategies, but they'll have a rhythm, a routine to their craft. And you'll see that when you go observe teachers, that their, their classes kind of run along the same arc. And so in order to disrupt that pattern, you have to give them an immersive experience that they wouldn't expect that kind of disrupts their thinking and causes them to be provoked, to be curious. So I think, you know, what we try to embody in this conference this year is giving people lots of choice, a choice to attend, a choice of which sessions, choice of whether they want to design and co-construct with you and or, or, or Will, or whether they want to kind of learn and listen, or whether they want to get their hands dirty and get in the game. So those are all options that people have on the table. Uh, making sure it's relevant to their practice immediately. You know, the old saying is if you go to a full day workshop and you take one thing away, I, I don't know about you, but I think my time is way more valuable than learning one thing if I'm investing eight hours. So trying to make sure that every session has transferable strategies, that's kind of the one best thing idea as well as giving short videos with one strategy. So if you got three minutes, watch this video, you'll get one thing out of it three minutes. I think that's a little better than one thing for eight hours. So just trying to make sure it's relevant, it's socially constructed, that people have a lot of choice so they can take ownership and making sure there's things that provoke their thinking is kind of what we've taken out of it and, and try to make sure that experience holds. But I would say what I know of Live Curious, that, that was kind of the identity previously yet, but even more immersive, right? People going into rooms and touching robots they'd never touched before or doing a one board a birdhouse and some of the folks like our kids have never held a saw before. You know, so those are the kind of experiences that disrupt thinking and get people kind of moving into a new direction that 
you know, getting out of that seven-year rut, as I like to call it, and getting them to do something different. The beauty th beautiful thing for us is that rut is gone. The pandemic has thrown everybody in a whole new landscape, right? So they, uh, the reality is, is, is everybody's in that space. So we have a pretty attentive audience right now. Yeah, okay. I, I just wanted to, you just made me think of something that when you talk about the, the seven-year rut and just how the pandemic uh, disrupted something. I just want to comment on something that kind of happened here. I, I'm, I'm back in Nova Scotia, Canada, uh, you know, first year as a principal, but, um, and something that just happened recently that was very new, and, and I feel it was a little bit disruptive because of the uh, pandemic. So I'll give you an example. So um, just after Christmas break, um, we came back to school, but right before Christmas break, they were kind of anticipating, you know, a possible increase in COVID cases due to the holidays. So right before the break, I think it was two days before they said, made an announcement saying, okay, uh, we're going to extend uh, Christmas holiday uh, for students by one week. And so our team here and, and kind of the department of education, but our school board, um, worked very fast and shifted uh, for teachers. It was going to be a week of PD and the really kind of organic and, and great thing about it was it is a completely choice based menu. Um, it was the first time that that's ever happened in, in this uh, area where, you know, teachers have a week, like you went, like you said, like going back to that 30 minutes you mentioned before of learning. Well, now teachers had a week, it was uh, choice based. Um, no one was kind of, you know, keeping tabs on where you were, which is kind of tends to be the the practice here anyway, when, when there's professional development offered. And they just created this nice menu from Monday to Friday um, for teachers to pop in and out of uh, online sessions uh, of, on professional development and to network with other teachers, which again, never gets to happen. So again, uh, because of the, you know, the disruptive um, I don't know. Uh, the, yeah, the disruptive disruptiveness of COVID has, you know, there's some silver linings there. And, you know, we've had we had a PD experience that teachers here had never had before. And, and it was really great the the feedback was was very positive. So uh, it just sparked something that that we just kind of went through here. And I just thought I'd throw it in there. Jose, I think you had a question. Did you? you had your hand up? Well, I think it was more of a comment. Like, um, I mean, really like it's, it's touching very strongly the conversation that you two are having and I, I, I agree with Sasha like uh, I love the idea that you know that that learning is social and, and you're just maximizing if you've got 30 minutes just like make the most of it but I feel that with conferences with life in general it's very hard to be open-minded it's very hard to enjoy yourself even if you're given the opportunity if you have a ton of stuff waiting for you back home, you know, if you have responsibilities, if if you can get out of your mind uh, the fact that you need to grade this amount of works or you need to plan something. But um, being that as it is, I find that and, and I'm looking forward to see what this year Live Curious does. I One of the things that I relish the most about past conferences is that that wow moment that always happened. Like teachers... On Saturday, especially, like you could see that maybe in the morning, like people were still kind of like, "What am I doing here?" But by by noon, you know, by like lunchtime, it's it was always amazing to see the energy, to see the cafeteria instead of full of uh, young learners uh, filled with 
like mature learners that are just like sinking it all in, sharing it. Like it, it was a palpable energy that I feel like, and again, because I had the time to kind of explore outside of the conferences and just the overall vibe of the, uh, the conference, I, I will always love to find, you know, teachers sitting, doing their work because they, instead of going to back-to-back conferences, they decided that they wanted to work on their own stuff for a little bit of time. And like just finding the right spot in a school that's just for them with the right light, with the perfect temperature, with something we talk about, like February can be tricky, but usually we have great weather for it. And I think that's something that should transcend to the online conference, that uh, that the pressure to go back to back to attend something should be somehow changed to like, okay, I'm going to plan my Saturday in a way that I can still maybe work, but I'm going to be open for those wow moments. I'm going to be like, just really, just kind of like putting, you know, putting my toes in the water and see where it, that takes me. I, I think that it's definitely that a challenge in an online scenario. But that's why we all really gravitate towards these uh, opportunities of learning, just because we want we want to share our ideas and we want to be challenged and we want to learn something that we could use as soon as possible. You know, if I, I build on that, Jose, and, and it's one of my greatest concerns about this online format. And and you know, I've had I've gone back and watched five years of kind of video footage of the conference and the energy and um, you know. The, the real power of serendipitous collaboration, right? Where you were with a complete stranger that you didn't know before the conference and who is experiencing a, a wow moment that builds connection is something I think is going to be really hard to, to recreate because it requires presence, it requires the wonder, it requires a moment. And so I, I, that's the thing, you know, and I think when you talk about all the things that Corey mentioned earlier, the taco trucks, the different uh, furniture vendors, you know, all of that is an immersive experience um, that creates a, a mindset, right? And in that mindset, I, I saw teachers feel special because they're being catered to and they have nice chairs and there's great food and, you know, we're important um, and we matter and our work matters. And so, and we're here with like-minded people at a tech and innovation conference. So, and I think that's what we're missing right now, being home instead of being at school, is I can't see the kids in the hallway and high five them and check how they're doing and do the quick check-ins and see my colleagues and build that energy, right? That's why this distance learning has been so taxing because, you know, we're taking a lot from the cup, but how much are we putting in it in our current environment? So I think it's a fairly extractive endeavor right now. We know education is a, like the reason it's social is because we build each other up while we take things away as well. So we contribute as well as extract. So I'm hopeful that with the presenters we have, we can get some of that energy, but we don't have a hallway. We don't have a lounge. We don't have any of those things where we can, you know, where people can physically engage each other. We don't have a coffee bar. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to be missing that personally because I love just hanging out at the coffee bar and talking to different people. Hey, what'd you learn today? What's it getting you excited? So we're going to try to see how we can do that. We do have a networking room set up so people can jump out of a session and go think and talk to other people. So there's a, we're trying to create space for that. Um, but it, virtual space is not the same as physical space. I, I love the idea that what you're, what you're saying right now to create those spaces, because yes, even though it's completely different, and maybe those those conversations will happen ergonomically, right? Like I go to a conference and figure it out like a couple of the persons that I'm close to or, or somebody that I don't know. And I want to just like kind of touch him in the shoulder and say, hey, should we talk a little bit about more 
more about this, but I think that we're all very familiar at this point with like, you know, uh, Zoom gatherings with friends or family members. And even though it's not the same thing, it's like the only constant is change. And I think that as educators, we have adapted really well. And like, we are just trying to make the most of what we have. But the overall idea still remains to open to give this, you know, to give opportunity for this space and for these discussions to keep on happening, whichever the format, because, um, you know, if there's something that can be said about like society in general, if that we haven't collapsed yet, you know, we're still figuring out, we're trying new things and, 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 uh, you know, everything keeps moving on. I'm going to add in there, uh... I, I agree with, with, with what you're saying, Sash and, and Jose, like that, that energy and vibe was almost kind of like when, when that was going on, it was, it was kind of like, ah, it was just that kind of relief. And, you know, it gave, well, me personally as part of the, an organizer, it was just like that, that was kind of, I don't know. It was, it was like, what it was all about. And, and I agree. It's hard to recreate an online space, but I'm actually like quite excited uh you know, to see it done a little bit differently. And I would, I would guarantee that connections are going to be made. Um, I'm looking forward to it because look, I, I'm in Canada and I'm going to be able to attend and I'm sharing it with the teachers at my school. I'm sharing it with my, you know, t- other teachers in the area and teachers that I've met overseas and other places. So I think what's cool is this year, you know, for the first time is that it's, it's international. Like it was always international, but you had to have a, you know, a hefty plane ticket and a, and a budget or, or professional development budget to, to kind of sponsor it. I, I know my uh, sister-in-law flew down from Canada to attend it. And, uh, you know, it was a great experience for her, but now like I'm going to attend here from Canada and I know other teachers are going to too. So it almost opened it up in a way um, that you might, get more connections, different connections that you don't have uh, just having it in the place. Again, it doesn't replace that, that kind of vibrant energy. Um, but I think it, it, it can, you know, there's opportunities for, for kind of different connections to be made. And I think uh, I'm hopeful and I think it's, uh, it's, it's just, it's good. It's different. Yeah, Corey, I think, I, I think what's amazing, I just looked at the registration list. I mean, we have over 1,100 people registered, and I think the, the biggest we've had previously is just to touch over 500. So we've doubled attendance. We have 45 countries represented from Japan all the way in Asia, India, uh, Europe, you know, North America, Latin America. Um, so, I mean, that's going to be a trade-off, right? The online environment is no cost, and people can attend from everywhere. We have public school educators, private school educators, international educators. Um, so I think the, the attendees is going to be a rich mix that we maybe would not have had previously in a physical environment. And the other thing that we tried to leverage, and you pointed this out, is, is the hefty plane ticket and the cost of prior attendance is the, you know, the reality of if we can make it free, we can give access. So, uh, again, widening that Monterey community. Now we have public school educators attending every session. There's two Spanish sessions taking place. So we have a bilingual strand uh, in Spanish. So there are some opportunities that this conference has provided us to broaden the Live Curious experience and give more access, which I think is really valuable um, compared to, you know, uh, the, the, the being able to come to Monterey, have the air ticket because, you know, schools would send attendees, but they couldn't send 30. We have some schools, 30, 40 people are attending. Right. So, again, being able to build like mindedness as you have so many of your colleagues attending the same event. Um, is a different kind of impact. So that'll be interesting to measure and, and, and kind of figure out 
what was that impact and how was it different and, and what does it mean? We've already started talking about do we in, next year do a blended conference. Hopefully we can go back to face-to-face, -face, but do we do like four virtual sessions every time so people can still attend? So we're, we're already looking forward to say, what does a blended conference look like? So those are all things that uh, we're working through. So it'll be interesting to, to see what emerges. I think that's so amazing. You just listed off that, you know, you doubled, um, you know, doubled attendance, 45 countries. That's amazing to hear. Um, and, and it's also cool that you're already thinking about next year because, you know, in a way like this, you know, it, it even puts the kind of conference and whole experience on the map a little bit more. So, you know, it's almost like you've just, um, you know, increased, increased attendance and, and, and globally. So, you know, if you, go to next year to plan you know you you might have maybe you have a thousand people show up you got to get a bigger auditorium <laughs> i don't know or, or more food trucks but uh what a great way to kind of market the the conference and and the the experience so um and you know i do re recall like just that you know you're already thinking ahead i remember in other years like the conference would be over on the saturday we'd have people fill out the feedback and again that, that's something else i should mention just the feedback from attendees was always taken very seriously. We combed through the feedback in great detail to make sure that we we um, tried to offer something that that was or, or take away or add um, based on the the user feedback. So that was something we took very serious. But and we'd get to that Monday. So conference is over Saturday. Check the feedback Monday, and we'd start planning for next year. So it's great to hear you're already thinking of maybe a blended or. Um, but it's good. It's, it puts it on the map a little more. I think it's really cool. Uh, yeah, I would be remiss, you know, Corey, you mentioned earlier some sponsors. I'd be remiss uh, without saying it. Sponsorship is in this online environment has been challenging. You know, it's hard for a furniture company who can't come display furniture to figure out how they're going to connect, right? So uh, it's been an interesting uh, kind of experience to go through, but I would be remiss if I didn't thank our sponsors this year. Uh, Novell, which is a Google you know, classroom training uh Corporation. Uh, Tri Association is always amazingly supportive of our work um, here at the school. Um, and then, you know, our school, the American um, School Foundation of Monterey, uh, has been so supportive in giving time, attention, and obviously space to make this conference uh, impactful for so many others. Uh, but uh, I thank them for sticking with us in this really strange and different year um, and, and seeing the value of, of providing free PD to folks. So I, I thank them for, for staying on board and, and we hope to continue that partnership as we move into the future. Sasha, thank you very much for taking the time to joining us today. I think that um, I'm very, very proud to still be part of the Live Curious and for our listeners, I can't stretch enough how great of opportunity this is it to just connect with new people and learn new tricks. And um, Corey, Ah, I miss recording with you, my hermano. So like looking forward for the next episodes to come as well. Yeah, no, I'll end by saying too, a big shout out. Thank you to Sasha. Um, I, I do have to say that, you know, the, the Live Curious event has been just like, um, I don't know, one of the most rewarding kind of experiences in my professional career so far, just being a, a part of it. It warms my heart to know that it's uh, it's in good hands and, and that it's being carried on in a different way, but uh, it, it, the lineup looks amazing. I just gotta, gotta also give a big shout out to um, Doug and Deanne and Brian and, and that team and all the volunteers. And, and again, back to you, Sasha. And, and, and Michael Adams for, for just kind of pushing it and continue it. So um, looking forward to attending this year online up here in Canada. And uh, yeah, it, it looks amazing and, and thanks.
Yeah, I just want to thank you guys for having me on and allowing me to plug the conference a little bit for all of you out there. Um, you know, we, we've kind of created a tagline this year is, uh, you know, live curious, live virtually. And so I'd encourage you to attend the conference. If you haven't registered, go to www.livecuriousgobeyond.com and register today. It's free uh, for all involved. So please uh, pass it on. Tweet about it. We look forward to seeing you on Feb 20. And uh, Corey, thanks for creating such a great event with the team. And, and I'm honored to be part of the team moving it forward and, and continuing the great work say we stand on the shoulder of giants so i appreciate you uh, having the courage to start a movement um, and i'm honored to keep it going so see you all feb 20. awesome thank you everyone for joining